Team Northwest, it's good to be with you today. My name is Aslan Bowden. I'm one of the preaching pastors on rotation here, and we are going to jump right into this morning. We are going to be talking about connection today. We've been doing a month of study on gratitude and being thankful, and today I want to spend time being thankful for connection, that we have the ability to connect with one another because of what Christ has done. And connection is something I've been thinking about for the past few years because it's the number one thing I get counseling requests for. When people ask to meet with me, the most common reason is because they don't feel connected. They don't feel a deep connection with anyone in this community, with their friendships and their small groups. And that has been something that has been so interesting to me of all the topics that the most common one would be the feeling of loneliness. And no one has ever, in all the times I've met with people who who just kind of want to talk through what they're feeling and just like, gosh, I just don't feel like I connect here, I fit in, or that I have any relationships uh, that really get me, that no one has ever actually said the word loneliness. I don't know what it is with that word that maybe makes it hard for us to identify with or it's just hard to say, but that's really what we're talking about when we don't feel deeply connected and we feel that sense of aloneness. And this is, uh, connection is a big part of humanity. It's not just a female problem. It's not just a male problem. It's a human problem that we have. And in fact, the first person that we see, the first recorded person in history to experience being alone is Adam in the garden. God creates him in perfect harmony with himself in the Garden of Eden, but God looks down. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. He's alone. This isn't good. And so we're going to look at today... This verse we're going to read in Ecclesiastes is kind of our theme of the day. I'm going to have other verses listed under our points as reference for you. We do not have time to dive into each one, but I wanted to list them so that you could study at home and and look up all these scriptures. But let's read Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a return, a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though they may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Loneliness is not necessarily about being alone. It's about the difficulty and the challenge of making meaningful connections. And over the years, I have, I guess, been surprised at how much of an issue this is for us how common this issue is. It doesn't really depend on your age. It doesn't depend on your season. Loneliness and the, and the difficulty of making those meaningful connections, those two things are going to be interchangeable. They, I mean them as the same thing today in this context, making deep connections or, or loneliness. Uh, it's amazing how common it is for all of us. And I'm just going to give you a few examples here, or several examples before we begin, because I think it can be maybe difficult initially to identify with the idea of loneliness, because you're like, well, I'm married, I've got friends, I'm in a small group, I'm serving on these teams. Because of the people who generally have come asking to talk through this issue, it hasn't been people with severe social anxiety that, you know, struggle to leave their house. It's people involved in small group, it's people serving on teams people who are married. 
So sometimes it might be difficult to identify with like, I don't know, lonely. I don't know if I can say I've ever been lonely. But I want to just give you some examples of the types of loneliness that exist that we may have experienced, that you may have experienced. So just give me a moment as I read this list that I compiled. There's the loneliness of being single, the loneliness of seasons of life where your closest friends' lives are changing. Maybe you're the last one in your friend group to get married, or uh, all your friends are starting to have children, so the season's changing. Maybe you're about to move away to college. Those are seasons of loneliness. The loneliness of becoming a widow, the loneliness of being from another country, the loneliness of divorce, the loneliness of the elderly who are losing their friends and the homes that they've lived in, the loneliness in marriages, either with your spouse because you're having difficulty connecting, or even if that marriage foundation is solid, I often hear people saying, you know, I just miss my friends. I don't have the time to commit to friendships that I did when I was single, and I I think I feel kind of lonely. I miss them. The loneliness of being a stay-at-home parent or being a new mom. The loneliness of being angry. Some of you know what I mean when I say that. Angry people are often very lonely people because there's this feeling that comes over you after you've had maybe an outburst and that once that emotion settles down, you're overwhelmed with the sense of shame and feeling alone in the room, embarrassed, and then just the practical things that can happen when you have anger of losing relationships. Angry people can, are very often lonely people. The loneliness of leadership, the loneliness of loss, the loss of a job, uh, moving away from your community, the loneliness of being an only child, the loneliness of traveling, the loneliness of being the new person, the loneliness of your last child leaving home, the loneliness of being childless, the loneliness of being a single parent, the loneliness of following Christ. I know many people who lose a lot of their friends and even their families when they make the decision to follow Christ can feel like a lonely path to walk. The loneliness of retirement, of being home alone, the loneliness of choosing purity. You want a one-way ticket to feeling like you're alone? Try being pure in this culture. The loneliness of being misunderstood, the loneliness of illness, whether it's a short period of time or an extended illness, the loneliness of being removed from Christian fellowship, whether you, you, know, you can't go because of illness or you've had to change churches because you've moved, the loneliness of being obedient and making difficult choices. So I'm hoping there's at least one example in there where you can identify, hey, I've been through that season. I know that feeling. I know the loneliness that you talk about. I have a quote here from the former uh, Surgeon General, and this is, comes from an article in the Harvard Business Review from, I think, 2017. And so I've taken this quote for us today. He said, We live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 80s. During my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes. It was loneliness. Loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction of lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity. Loneliness is also associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. At work, loneliness reduces task performance, limits creativity, and impairs other aspects of executive function, such as reasoning and decision-making. 
for our health and our work, it is imperative that we address the loneliness epidemic quickly. Amazing. If you've experienced loneliness for an extended period of time, we can kind of get into the cycle. We're like, okay, I, I'm struggling. I don't feel like I have any deep, meaningful connections, so maybe I should be more social. And so maybe you might push yourself a little bit more to go out and, and, and have more social connections. And then you do that for a while, and then, you know, I, I found people come back and they say, I, I don't feel any different. I'm going out more, but I don't feel like I have any deep connections still. It doesn't mean the relationship feels deeper. So maybe it's not the uh, quantity of people. Maybe it's the quality of people. And so then it starts the cycle of like, there's no one around me who understands me. Because even when I do hang out, I still don't feel deeply understood. I don't, still don't feel like I have a deep connection. So then that kind of makes you back off again from the social aspect. And so we can be in this cycle. And I'm telling you, there's more to loneliness than just physical or emotional. There's a spiritual element too. Loneliness is deeper than that. It's bigger than that. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. I've, I've come up with eight things, eight of the most common things that I found are disruptions to connection in, in the church, in our church community. Now this is not a, a fully comprehensive list. You could think of other things, I'm sure. If you go home today, you think, okay, what things do I think are contributing to, to me having difficulty connecting. You might think of more. These are the most common things I've found in talking to people over the years. These are the eight most popular things that um, seem to come up to cause disruption in connection, make connection difficult, and cause loneliness to be a part of our human experience. So there's eight of them. We're going to just kind of go through of them. Some of them I'll talk more about than others. Some I'm just going to mention and move on. But let's begin. Sin. This one has to be talked about because from a Christian perspective, from the Christian worldview, we understand that sin happened, Adam and Eve in the garden, created in perfection, perfect community, perfect connection with God and each other. They chose sin, right? And so at that moment, the connection was severed between them and the Father and even each other. We know this because they tried to hide. They hid from each other. They, they made clothes for each other. And they're like, yeah, you're seeing too much of me. Right, So they hid from each other, and it says they hid from God. Genesis uh, says that God would come and walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day. Every day he would come and walk and be in community with them. It says that God came and walked to the garden and said, where are you? And Adam said, we're hiding. So we know that, that here is where loneliness entered the scene. We were not created to have this disruption. We live in the reality of the pain of separation that we were not intended to experience. We weren't intended to have that separation from the Father and from each other. Now, we know that Jesus came, paid the price that we could have that connection again, but it's not the same as in the garden because we have sin, right, as an option. We're wrapped in flesh, and so we can still feel the pain of that, that separation of the kind of the grand sense, the genesis view of sin. But then there's also a factor of sin that if I make a sinful choice and I cheat on my spouse or I uh, you know, am a terrible, selfish friend, then I'm going to feel loneliness because I'm going to lose relationships if I make some sinful choices. So sin is definitely a factor, a spiritual component to loneliness that can exist at times. 
There's also a lack of intimacy with God. And I've listed this separately because there's the issue of sin, but then there's the issue of just my relationship with God, of God being my source. And there's many times where I'm not allowing God to be my source, my everything. He's my creator. He is the only one that can fill me up. Absolutely. Every, every crevice in my heart. But I can lack intention in pursuing that, and not necessarily because of unrepentant sin, but just a, a lack of drive on my part, a lack of intention, a lack of remembering, gosh, he is my source, not my spouse, not my friends, not my work, not these parties. Anything else I'm looking at to fill up my core is going to be disappointed if he is not my source. And so there's times you might experience loneliness because our hearts are longing for the intimacy we had in the garden, intimacy with the Father, even the intimacy we had with each other when there was no shame, nothing we were hiding from each other. Our hearts long for that. And so you may experience loneliness because it's pointing us that we need to dive into our intimacy with the Father, the one who created us, the one that knows us better than anyone, the only one who can answer every need that we have. It's amazing how often we can go a day a week, a month, and, be, and realize, man, I haven't walked with God in the cool of the day. I haven't really connected with him until I'm like, oh, shoot, my rent's due. Lord Jesus, let me check my account. Yeah, you're praying in tongues over that account, right? Taking away those, we can be a while before we realize, oh, shoot, the intimacy with Christ. I haven't connected. And so sometimes God allows loneliness to be a reminder. Hey, hey, I miss you. You miss me. You don't realize you miss me because you're busy, but you miss me. So sometimes that's why we, oftentimes that's why we feel lonely. There's a lack of intimacy with our creator. Unrealistic expectations. This is a big thing. This is one of the biggest reasons our marriages fail coming into it with unrealistic expectations, not to mention friendships, families. People have unrealistic expectations for work, for their career trajectory, for their relationship with people. We, we come into the situations with unrealistic, and it's hard to, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but I'm going to say if, if this challenge, if you're having difficulty connecting, and it Maybe because of this, you need to sit down with a trusted friend, a mentor, a pastor, and kind of talk through because you need to detangle. You need to say, hey, this is what I expect from a spouse, from a friendship, from, you know, a family member in this season of life. And you need someone to say, whoa, wait a minute. That's not realistic. Maybe they are, but maybe they're not. And that has been the case so many times talking with people that the expectations we have, it's like, there are things you can expect from relationships, and there's things that are not realistic, and often that's the case, and that can mess us up in trying to connect deeply. Before we move on to the next one, I just want to say it's, it's interesting because when you, we have it switched, we have it backwards often. We look at God, and we treat God like he's human with fickle emotions, and when I sin, it's like now I hide from him in the garden because now he's mad at me, and I have to earn his love, and I have to earn his forgiveness, and I better have my devotions four times before I try to talk to him because I feel like he's probably mad at me. Where he has extended his forgiveness, he's already accepted us. There's nothing we can do to make him love us or accept us more, but we treat him like human, and we treat humans like they're God. 
And we expect related humans, you can't disappoint me. You can't let me down because you are supposed to be fulfilling everything to me. We have it backwards. Circumstances. This one is fairly obvious. We go through times when, think of death. Death is a huge one. That connection is severed. That's going to be a season where you feel the loss of that connection. And that takes time. There's grief. There's just moving. Different seasons we've already talked about. I cried for weeks when my best friend went away to college. I was two years younger than my closest friends at the time, and they all went away to college. And I was still here, and I cried for weeks and weeks because that connection changed, was broken. So circumstances will cause us to go through seasons where we feel lonely. Family upbringing. This is a ginormous category that we're not going to get in today because we don't have time. And this is one we talk about, I, I feel, often in this church. But the dynamic you have, the, your family of origin, affects how you relate to other people and how you know how to or not how to connect with others on a deep level. So we're not going to get into that today, but I do want to say that our pastor, Pastor Peter, has written his first book. If you have not seen that posted... And that is exactly what this book is about. It's called Becoming Unstuck. I just started it because I just got it this weekend. It's very good. I have not finished it yet. But this is essentially a counseling session. If you've ever had a counseling session with Pastor Peter, it's right here. So you can just, you know, save the time, get a coffee, and do your own counseling session. But this will absolutely help you. And it's so important that we discover the dysfunction of our families and how that has affected us and how we think to relate and what's normal in relationship, how to even ex- receive love, how to show love. We were taught that by our families. And, and parents, we all do varying levels of, <laughs> of how we do that, how well we do that. But all of us, no matter how great your parents were, we have things we need to move on from our childhood. And so I'm not, we're not getting into it, but please pick this book up and, and go through it. Lack of vulnerability is the next thing I want to I point out. This one's huge. You can go to small group for years. You can attend this church for years. You can be a part of a family for years and not actually connect on a deep level. Because connecting in a meaningful way takes vulnerability. And vulnerability means opening up to the inside of all the things You don't want anyone to see your weaknesses, your sins, your struggles, what the Lord is speaking to you on. And so much of our time is just spent not getting to that deep level, not ever opening that up to someone, not opening up in small group with the pastor, with the mentor, with your spouse. So often we still remain guarded. And vulnerability is hard because, listen, if I show you those parts, you could really hurt me. Because for you to reject me when I show you my sin and my weakness and my brokenness is like the thing that we all fear most, which is why we keep it hidden. So to, to open yourself up to the certain, a few, right, trusted people in that way is very scary. And many of us don't do it. And, but if that's the case, then you will not feel that you have relationships that are deeply connected because you have to have something deep coming out. It can't just be about your connection with sports and arts and music and movies. Those aren't bad things. 
and just traveling together. Those are not bad things to do, but that's, that's not a deep connection of being fully known and fully loved. And so we have to take that risk of saying, okay, this is uh, the worst parts of me in order to experience grace moving just from our head, an idea that we understand it, down to our hearts. We have to experience grace in the flesh. And the way that we do that is by, the, the Bible says, of course, we confess our sins to God, confess them to him because he's the one who can forgive us. But the Bible also says confess one to another. That's vulnerability. And that's how we move grace, the concept of grace. Like, okay, I know the Bible says that God forgives me and I'm forgiven of the sin and yeah, I can be healed from this. But sometimes it's so much up here. And the, reason, and the way we get it to move from here, from a cognitive thing that I believe, to here in my heart where I feel it, I'm experiencing the grace. I'm seeing my life change. The way we do that is to experience grace in the flesh. And that means I have to confess my sins to, one, to someone else. And I need to feel their arms wrap around me. I need to see them cry with me and say, I, I forgive you. Let's move forward. We'll work on this together. We have to experience that. And the only way we can is through vulnerability. Dr. Henry Cloud says, we can be around a lot of acceptance and grace, coming to church, going to small group, but until the hurt and guilty places of our hearts are exposed, we do not experience grace. And the gap between our head and our heart continues. If you lack vulnerability in your relationships, there's only so, so much you can feel connected to that person. It's only so far you can go because you're hiding parts of yourself. And I, this comes up often when I'm talking to people who are dating and, you know, they want to run it by me like, oh, should I have this conversation yet or not? Should we talk about this thing that, you know, about me? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? Because the fear is that they're going to reject you, right? But if, if that's going to be an option, you want to know that now. While you're dating, before you're married, like, look, you need to know this is who I am on the inside. This is my sin. This is my broken parts. This is what I'm bad at. You want to know if they're going to reject you, if they're going to be like, oh, I can't take that on. Fair enough, but I want to know that now. So I say have those conversations, but we want to keep those parts so guarded. But then we won't feel real connection. Personality differences, or you could call this conflict. But we can struggle with connection because we assume that connection requires chemistry. Deep connection doesn't require chemistry. Chemistry makes connection easy, right? There's those people that's like, oh, yes, we like the same things. We talk about the same things. Yes, we just click. Chemistry is fine. That's great. But connection doesn't require chemistry. Connection requires Christ. That is our connecting point. So the, the trap we can fall into, and what, I, what I've talked to many people about, is that's like, ah, oh, there's, there's no one I click with in this group. There's no one I click with in this church. There's no one I click with in this family. And so we kind of feel like we're searching for the right place because we've got to feel the chemistry. And that personality rubs me the wrong way. I just cannot deal being in a group with people with kids or people without kids. You know, we all have these things that's like, if you're not in the same season, you assume you can't have deep connection. It's not true. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be in a group that fits you. We hope that you find that. But don't fall into the trap of thinking because we don't click, because their personality rubs me the wrong way, then there's no way I'll ever feel deeply connected. That's not the case with the body of Christ. That's not the case with the church because our connecting point is Christ. 
He is our connection. Personality difference, cultural difference, family difference aside, our common ground is Christ. And if we are doing the other things, confessing our sins, pursuing our intimacy with Christ, then we will have connection with each other because of Christ. Let's just give one quick example of Jesus with the team that he built. There's a lot that could be said about each one of these personalities, but I'm just gonna mention two things, two people. So here in Matthew, he's listing off the 12 apostles that he chose to start to start this thing, you know, to spread Christianity, to start the church. These are the 12 men he chose. So Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. I'm just going to point out the two that have highlighted uh, their careers or their career choices or what they were into. Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were an aggressive Jewish political party that would conduct guerrilla-like warfare on Roman soldiers because they were in a quest for Israeli independence. And so the Zealots were trying to incite the people to rebel against Rome. It was a very extreme political group. And then we see also listed Matthew, the tax collector, which means he was on Rome's payroll. He was literally getting paid by Rome. Can you imagine the tension? Just between these two, not even taking the fact all the other hot messes that were the 12 disciples. So a lot that could be said about all the personalities. Can you imagine the tension traveling together, sleeping together, sitting down to eat? Man, one's thinking, you know, um, Simon's, Matthew's looking at Simon and he's thinking, you criminal. You should be in jail. You're a criminal. You're, you're, you're inciting riots and violence in our, in our city. And, and the other one, Simon's looking at Matthew, and he's saying, you sell out. You, you colonizer. You've sold out our people. Can you, oh, man, I just, it makes me feel anxious just thinking about it. Man, and Jesus is like, I don't. He pulls this team together, and he's like, I am your connection. And your political differences, your personality differences, your Enneagram number, that doesn't matter. I am your connection. And that's true for us here. There may be people in this church, in your small group, in your family that rub you the wrong way. But our connection is Christ. And we grow from that. But don't fall into the lie of thinking that i got to find the perfect place with everyone I feel chemistry with or else I won't feel deep connection. Because chemistry isn't connection. Deep connection. Okay, the last one. Hear me out, people. Hear me out. Let me just say, I've got social media. You know I have social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, okay? I'm not here to say that this is evil and we got to burn our computers and take the internet down. The internet and computers have brought wonderful things to us, right? There's great things. But it has to be mentioned that the way we're using social media, some of us, younger generations more than likely, more than older generations, the generations coming, studies are on the rise. Studies are going crazy with the correlation that the more you use social media, the more likely you are to feel lonely. There's just no way around it. It just has to be mentioned. Because especially for generations my age and younger, this is a big part of their life, it's all they've known, the studies are showing how much increases depression, anxiety, loneliness. And so it's just good to keep in mind that we need to keep it in check. It's, social media is like the fast food of connection. 
So it's like it makes you feel like, oh, I'm in the loop, or I, I, I talked, I snapped, snapped back and forth all day long with my friend, and we send each other memes, and maybe we talk. Okay, so it feels like I'm connecting. It's, that's not connection, right? I mean, you're having fun, you're enjoying, you're talking to each other, but that's not the connection that we're talking about, that, that combats loneliness, the deep connection of being fully known and fully loved. So we just have to be careful with social media because you can feel, it's like eating, you know, Taco Bell every day when you're hungry. It's like, oh yeah, that fills me up. But it's bad for you over time. That's not real nutrition. That's not real food. That's going to have consequences. And so when, the more we use it, the more likely you will feel lonely because instead of picking up the phone and saying, what'd you do this weekend, Lauren? I just scroll through the feed and I see what she did. So I don't feel like I need to call her. You know, I don't feel like I need to catch up, but we haven't connected. I'm just observing her life on the outside. So we have to be careful with that. And lastly, on the social media, and, and then we'll close. So hear me out. Parents of adolescents and adolescents who are in the room, so people who are under 18 in this room right now, I want you to prayerfully consider this is your life. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not judging you if you don't do what I suggest right now. Parents and, and adolescents, you need to, I would like you to go home this week and, and consider and pray and make it a matter of prayer if you should have social media until you're 18 years old. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why. I suggest that that not be the case. Now, I don't have a teenager. I know the battle that will ensue one day when she's 14 and, and wants to have social media, and we'll see, you know, I, I have that battle ahead of me, so I'm not standing up here like you need to do, I just want you to consider, I want you to pray about it. As the parent and as the person yourself, if you're in this room and you're under 18, I'm going to give you just a few reasons why I think social media should be held off until you're 18 years old. Let's think about those of you in the room my age and older who did not grow up, Having social media, you know, I, I didn't get Facebook till college. That's when I had my first social media platform. So if you grew up without that, just think about it for a moment. Let's think about what it's like to be adolescents, to be 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There is a lot going on developmentally in that phase. There's a lot going on in your emotions. And, and it's, that's what's supposed to happen. You're working through feelings of jealousy, feelings of rejection, learning how to connect, learning what it means to be in a community, to be a good friend, to have crushes on people. You know, all of this is a normal part of growing, maturing, and developing. And it feels overwhelming. Do you remember? I remember what it, felt, what it feels like to be 14, 15. I remember how just emotions are large. You feel a lot, and you're working through a lot, and you're learning how to process that and deal with it in a healthy way. So for example, on a weekend, if I wasn't able to hang out with my friends, and I was home with my siblings or with my family, whatever we were doing, I may have been wondering, like, huh, I wonder what's going on today. But other than it being a fleeting thought, I would get on with my day, and I would enjoy my day with my sibling, with my family, whatever I'm doing. Now, when I went back to school on Monday... Uh, you know, you inevitably hear, oh, there was a party that I wasn't invited to, or Susie and Sally hung out and they didn't call me. You know, you hear about the things you missed out on, and then this is when we're working through feelings of rejection, not being included, you know, painful emotions, but a part of life. But I can't imagine how much more difficult it would have been emotionally and as a part of my development 
if at every moment when I picked up my phone, I saw what I was being left out of. Every second of the day that I pick up my phone and I open Instagram, I see everyone doing something without me. Even if I am out with a friend, even just like, sweet, my parents took us to the movies, you know, with my friend, we can hang out. While I'm hanging out with her, we're looking to see what everyone else is doing. Okay, well, we're at the movies, but they're at Disney. And it's like there's no moment to just be in the moment and to, be, and to learn. This is my moment to connect with you because we're together. So I'm not going to be looking at what everyone else is doing. And now it's like, well, this isn't good enough. You know, I thought I was having fun with her until I saw them. I really wish I was hanging out with them. Your mind already does that on its own, you know, without that knowledge. But to have that much knowledge 24-7, I cannot imagine how overwhelmed I would have felt emotionally. And just constantly feeling bad that I don't have the friends I thought I had. Or maybe I'm not as close. Or I'm seeing every, the boy heart, every picture of all these other girls that I have a crush on. That the boy I have a crush on. It's an overwhelming amount of information to process emotionally. And not to mention that they're not, you're not learning the skills of what it takes to connect deeply. So please, trust me. If you're in here and we're friends on Instagram, don't block me just because you're embarrassed thinking I'm going to judge you because you don't go home and delete your... It's fine. If you choose not to, if, if, that's okay. I just... I wanted... I, I think it's important and I think you should consider it. And whatever you decide is your decision. I'm not going to be mad at you or looking down on you. But I do think uh, it's something parents and, and adolescents need to consider. So for all of us... Oh, sorry, last thing. Uh, and if you're trying to make this decision, I'd like you to use Instagram before you delete it to check out this guy. I, I don't know. He might have a website. He didn't have a lot of information when I looked at the website. I follow him on Instagram. Someone suggested it to me. The info, he goes around to schools and talks to middle schoolers and high schoolers about this issue. I, I don't think he's a Christian. I don't know if he's a Christian. That's not his platform. He goes around and talks about the damage of social media. And the statistics are... It gives me goosebumps every time I, his story pops up and I go to his page and I read them. The amount that anxiety, depression, suicide, the amount social media increases that in children is frightening. It's frightening. He'll post articles of, of however many teens committed suicide this last week and how many of them are linked to social media accounts and how that had an effect on their mental health, their depression, they feel the anxiety. You already feel those things growing up, right? You are taking in a lot. You're discovering that the world is not always a safe, fun place. So to add, okay, I'm gonna leave it alone. But go, go check that out as you're prayerfully considering when is a healthy, appropriate age to introduce social media to your uh, mental health. I'm going to issue a challenge, a holiday challenge to all of us. Oh, let me just say, David, a few years ago, my husband, he deleted his Facebook. And, you know, he's in his 30s, and he hardly used it. But he was just like, you know what, I'm deleting it. And he, for months, he told me how happy he was. He would come home, he's like, I'm just so happy. He's like, this is the best decision I ever made. He's like, it was just, I was getting so frustrated seeing everyone's opinion on everything. Even he, as a 36-year-old who didn't grow up with social media, his happiness went through the roof when he deleted it. So it's just, if you're going through a season, particularly of loneliness, of struggling with self-esteem, comparison, that would be the first thing I say to fast, to get your emotions back on track to fast social media. So for the holiday season, let's, I'm going to do this challenge. If you want to join me, let's put down our phones during those events. 
I get taking pictures. I use Instagram as my photo album. They send me the photos when they're full, so I get it. T still take your pictures, but let's just put our phones down in the moment. You don't need to post them right there. You don't need to scan through and see, okay, well, I'm eating turkey. What are they eating? Just be, be there. Be at your work holiday party. Be at your Christmas morning with your family. Be at your small group party. Take the picture, but put the phone down and hashtag latergram. You know what I mean? You can load them later. But let's just be, let's be there. Let's be present. Let's try this holiday season and see how it makes a difference. And feeling at the end of the season, like, man, I felt like this, I connected. I really enjoyed this season instead of always looking to what, to what we don't have. Let's stand as we pray. I fully realize and am aware that you can look at this list of eight things and be like, what the heck is the point of even trying? Like, I'll take a little bit of loneliness to not have to do this amount of work. There's a lot of work, okay? And it, it can be an easy thought to be like, Lord, if, you, if community and connection was so important to you, then you should have made it easy for us. But listen, connection wasn't easy for him. To restore our connection to the Father, he had to give his life for that. It was not easy for him to restore our connection with God and with each other. And so when he gives his life, when he had the life beat out of him so we could have life put into us, we can't sit here and be like, well, it should be easy. He gave us eternal life. He brought us into the family. And listen, most of us in this room wouldn't even be able to be a part of this. But when he paid for our sins, he said, everybody, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, doesn't matter if you're not Jewish, you're all a part of it now if you, if you accept my son. Wow. And so when we kind of get like, oh, I don't want to be vulnerable. Oh, I don't want to confess my sins to each other. Oh, I don't want to overlook that annoying personality. Like, I just want to switch. I don't want to move. I want to leave. I want to ignore. We don't have that option. When Christ gave his life to restore that connection. So let's be thankful. I, I look at this list and I'm, I'm thankful even though it's challenging, but I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you made a way for us to be connected to the Father and to each other. Thank you that this life, it's so fast. It's just a breath. But the depth of emotion we can experience in the short amount of time is so beautiful if you're committed to it. So Father, thank you for this church body. Thank you for these people. I, I, I lift up this community to you, God. I thank you that you've paid the way for us to have connection, to be connected to the Father, to be connected to each other. I pray that we would be intentional in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Help us put down our phones and Netflix and TV and the things that we do so that we don't just have to sit in silence together and sit in silence in our own thoughts. Lord, that's when you're speaking to us. That's when you're trying to connect with us. And we try to keep our minds so busy, so busy, I can't even sit and wait five minutes for a friend who might be running late. I've got to open my phone so that my mind is not still. Help us, God. Help us keep our connection with you open by not busying our minds in every moment, but being able to sit in silence with you. To let our minds work through issues. To let our minds be open to hearing your spirit. I pray, Lord, for those that feel lonely in this, in this church body. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit is illuminating an area 
that they realize they can work on, that they can push for, they can pray for breakthrough in. It's so easy to want the Lord, it's so easy for me to want you just to zap my heart in my private prayer closet and fix all my problems and heal me, but Lord, you rarely work like that. You use people, you use the church body to bring our healing, to bring our growth. So help us, Lord, help us know how to make deep, meaningful connections. Help us put in the work. In Jesus' name, amen.